Those guys, they... We're going to talk about love this week. And uh, big, big thing. We're in the fruits of the Spirit. And as I told you last week, Barbie shared on the fruit of the Spirit is love. I'm going to share on it. Bruce is going to share on it. Kevin's going to share on it. Uh, some of you may even share on it. We'll, we'll see before it's all over uh, because it's that important. Would you stand with me? We're going to read a passage from Galatians 5 that you should be familiar with and then a passage from Romans 13. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And from Romans 13, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the life that is in your word. I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place, and I pray, Lord, that you would come and that you would change us, that, you, that we would hear you, that you would speak clearly to us today, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Last week, uh, when Barbie, one of the reasons why we're all sharing on this, the main reason is because it's, it is that important, but one of the reasons is also, uh, I knew we wouldn't all be coming from the same direction and, and sharing the same thing, and last week, Barbie basically was sharing about uh, what love is. Want to know what love is. Uh, that's, what, that's what she was saying and giving us the definition of it. And we need that because, quite frankly, as 21st century North Americans, we don't have a very good understanding of what love is. It's, it's, it's not too clear to us. That's, now, that's not entirely our fault. It's, it's the fault of the fact that our language is lacking, is uh, kind of impoverished. The Greeks had at least four major words to describe love, and the New Testament is written in Greek, and we force one utility infielder to play all the positions. By the way, those of you who are keeping up with the important things going on in sports these days, I just want to remind you that I graduated from Goodlettsville High School, and yeah, and in fact, I, I, almost, I almost brought my Little League picture. To, but anyway, I, yeah, for those of you who don't know, we've got a new National Little League champion, and for the first time, it's from Tennessee. Uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. We got this one word that's supposed to cover everything, and so it gives us this shallow understanding of what love is because it covers everything from hot dogs and ice cream to boyfriends and girlfriends and spouses and children to pets to... God and movies in some sort of order. Like I say, the Greeks had at least four words, and, and maybe it'll be helpful to you. Let's look at very quickly at what the four words were. The first one was the word storge, and you can perhaps be helped to remember what it means by thinking of it as storky, uh, because it's, it's parental love. It's parental affection. It's, it's family love. It's 
It's the way Kevin was sharing uh, in the early service um, when he was sharing over communion that for the first time this week he went into his daughter's bedroom and she actually made eye contact with him and smiled. Yeah. And so he kept going back in there the rest of the afternoon <laughs> seeing if she still knew that trick. And she did. Yeah. That, that's storge. That, that's a... That, that's a family affection. That's one level of love. Uh, another word that they used was the word eros, which is what we tend to think of. Now that's, that's love. That's the real thing. Right, guys? That, that's, that's what we tend to think of. When we hear the word love, we immediately almost default to this romantic notion, this attraction. Some of you, I mean, you're not that old. You remember this. You've seen movies, right? That's, that's where we tend to go with it, but that's, that's what, that's, the Greek word was eros. Uh, and neither storge nor eros are ever used in the New Testament. So when you're reading the New Testament and you see the word love, it doesn't mean either one of those things. Third word that they used was philia. And it's friendship. It's Brotherly love. It's the root word of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's the root word of philanthropy, uh, giving because of just love for your fellow man. And it's important. All of them are important. But there are people in your life, life, lives, you got people <laughs> who aren't related to you. They're not in your family. You don't have a you don't feel any kind of romantic uh, attraction to them, but they enrich your life so much. If you did not have those people, your life would be a wasteland, basically. Well, that's what philia is. That's that kind of love. And that one is used in the New Testament, but it's not the big daddy. And a lot of you know who the big daddy is or what the big daddy is. And it's a word basically that the, that the Christians sort of claimed for themselves. The New Testament writers in particular sort of claimed for themselves. It's agape. It means unconditional love. It means sacrificial love. It's the love of God. It's the love of God that looks at us in our, in our rebellious, broken, fallen, stinking state and lifts us out of the miry clay and puts our feet on a solid rock and says, I'll lay down my, here, let me clean you off. Let, let me make you worthy and righteous. That's, that's the love of God. That's agape. And if you want, it, it's the word that's used in Galatians chapter 5 here, where it's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. It's the word that's used in 1 Corinthians 13, the word that Barbie was talking about last week. And if you want the real thing, if you, if you really want love, these others are important, but agape transcends all of them. It's the pure stuff. It's, it's, it's where the power really is. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is agape. I tend to side with those who suggest that there are not nine fruits of the Spirit. That there's one. And all of these other eight things are characteristics of that one. Uh, Translation from one language to another is part science. You need to know the definitions, but it's also part 
art because figuring out the syntax, figuring out the order in which things go. So the question really comes, is it the fruit of the Spirit is love, comma, joy, comma, peace, comma, et cetera, et cetera? Or is it the fruit of the Spirit is love, colon, and then joy, comma, peace, and all these other things being symbols of or the offshoots of that? And, and I think it's that second thing, and, and let's, let's look at one thing that maybe will help us with this. Let's compare 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which Barbie spoke about last week, with Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. Uh, love, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient. Oh, yeah, there it is. Love is, there's, there's patience, that's a fruit of the Spirit. Love is kind, <laughs> glory be, there's kindness right there, fruit, fruit of the Spirit. Uh, love does not envy, not boastful, proud, rude, self-seeking. This word gentleness actually uh, can also be translated meekness, can be translated humility. And believe it or not, all of those things on that side, envy, boastful, proud, rude, self-seeking, not to not be those things is what that word is. And when we get to that word, uh, that, one's, that one's a strong one. Now we're gonna, well, they're all strong, but... I'm really looking forward to that week. Love is not easily angered. Oh, peace, I think that would probably fit there. Uh, keeps no record of wrongs, doesn't delight in evil. I think that would be goodness, maybe. Rejoices in the truth. Ah, joy. joy. Yeah. Always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Boy, that sounds faithful, like faithfulness to me. And so that only leaves one. Okay, you got three options here. You can listen, and, and, and I'll just say, keep saying it, or you can help me, and we'll move on, or you can go sleep. I mean, those, those are the three options. We got, we got one left here, and it's, it's self-control. <laughs> Good. Uh, so, well, what's up with that? Well, all of those things under 1 Corinthians 13, one of the things that you'll notice about all of them, not a single one of them is an emotion. Every one of them is a choice. Every one of them is a choice that you get up and you make every day. It's a choice that you make as you go through your day. It's a choice as you make, that you make when you get ready to go through the next day tomorrow. And in order to make that choice and stick with it, that requires self-control. And so the fruit of the Spirit really is is love that's really what it is and what this means before i move on from here is that you can't really say <laughs> you can't really say well you know i got the i got the joy and i got the patience thing down pretty good but i'm working on that love uh no <laughs> you don't have any of these if you don't have love you may have something that looks like them. You may have something that kind of masquerades as them. Oh, it's going to get a whole lot worse than this, folks. You may have something that masquerades at them, but if you don't have love, agape, unconditional, sacrificial love, you don't have these other things either. Love is not an option. 
not an option for a follower of Christ. It's a command. It is a command. John 13, 34, 35, a new command I give you. Jesus is speaking here. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know you're my disciples if you love one another. Uh, you may go, I, didn't you put that up a couple of weeks ago? Uh, yeah, I probably did. Uh, and uh, a couple of weeks before that, you may have put that up. Uh, you've been putting that up an awful lot lately. Oh, I'm sorry. I should put it up every week. Yeah. It's that important. It I mean, this is, this is the command that he gave us. Not only that, it's the only badge that you can wear that somebody can look at and go, oh, you follow Christ. You follow Christ. First John 4, 7 and 8. This one's, this one's really good. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Whoa. Because God is love. Would you do something for me? Would you turn to somebody around you and inform them, whoever does not love does not know God? Inform them verbally. Do you believe that? Can you believe that? Yeah. Look, I'm not saying if you don't love, then you're not saved. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you don't know God. And so here's the thing. It, it's not a matter of, it's, it's not, this isn't necessarily talking about your salvation. It's talking about knowing God, whom to know is eternal life. And to the degree that you know him, that's the degree that you walk in eternal life. And to the degree that you don't know him, that you're headed in some other direction, that's the degree that you're headed in some other direction. You get right down to it. This is, this, is, this is bottom line stuff. This is really what it's all about. I got another one. Let's look at Romans 13, 8. We read it. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Most people read this verse and tend to stop at the comma. Let no debt remain outstanding. Period. The, the problem with that is you can't, you, don't, you can't start a sentence with except. And so it wouldn't be let no debt remain outstanding, period, except the continuing debt to love. Except the continuing debt to love. That's not a, whole, that's not a complete sentence. And I, and I know that all of you are sticklers for English grammar. Um, staying out of debt is an excellent idea. I, I think you might end up hearing something about that in uh, financial peace. But it's not what this passage is about. That is not what it is. And, and, and when, we, when we make this passage only about finances, we may get some good advice, but we rob it of its intended power. In our lives 
I, had a, I, had a, I have a pastor friend who uh, quite some time ago was pastoring a church and they were looking to build a new church. And they had bought some land and uh, I, I don't know, they had maybe 100, 150 people or so and uh, three or four board members. And, um, and my friend and, and one of the, the secretary, I don't know if he was the secretary was a board member or not, and the church were working real hard on this thing. They'd gotten plans drawn up and everything, and the, and the board knew about that. They were kind of, everybody's kind of going along with it, and they were dealing with the banks, which can, that can be worse than getting the, getting the plans drawn, is doing that. And they, so they got that all sorted out and did all this work and were really putting some sweat into it, brought it to the board uh, who knew that they were doing all this, and they get to the board, and a couple of the board members go, uh, uh, well, we can't do that because we, we, we believe the Bible tells us you can't borrow money. And uh, two things about that. First of all, and you know, don't strike me down, Dave Ramsey, but the Bible doesn't say you can't borrow money. In fact, that verse kind of implies that, that you may actually be in debt sometimes. It just says, pay it. Don't leave it outstanding. Be sure you pay it. Yeah. And so, you know, hopefully what they'll teach is, uh, because what the problem is that we have these days is we just go out and we just borrow it and borrow it and borrow it and don't think anything. We borrow it for stupid reasons. Did I just say stupid? Yes, I did. Uh, we go out and we borrow it for stupid reasons and, and build up all this stuff and don't even think about one of these days I got to pay this off. That tends to happen. Let's just pay it. But the other problem that I have with it is if these guys really thought that they couldn't borrow money, why did they let these other guys do all this work and go through all this sweat? Didn't they love them? Didn't they care about them? Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. The debt of love is never satisfied. It's never finished. When we come to the place where we no longer think that we have to love certain ones or we have to love certain groups of people, we have stopped following Christ. I am going to say that again. When we come to the place where we think that we no longer have an obligation to love certain ones or to love certain groups of people, we've stopped following Christ. We're, 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 we're drinking from another stream. We're, we're drawing, our, we're drawing our, our resources from somewhere else. We're getting our information from a bad place. If we begin to walk in that position and we... Oh, we live in a fearful and angry culture, and it's established powerful strongholds in people's lives, even in the church. I'm going to. I'm, get, I'm, I'm warming up. I'm getting ready to preach. How many of you have ever read this, uh, this ever, ever heard this? The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Okay. Edmund Burke. How many of you know who Edmund Burke was? Ooh, we actually have two or three got their hands up here. <laughs> Edmund Burke was a, uh, um, 
a member of the British Parliament in the 17th century uh, during the Revolutionary period. Um, he also said some other things that I'm not going to bring up today. But uh, there's a lot of truth in that, but I have a couple of problems with it. First problem that I have with it is that it's actually the grace and power of God that holds back evil, not carnal, fleshly effort. It just is. Second um, Thessalonians 2, 7. It's talking about the Antichrist and talking about the revelation of the spirit of Antichrist. It says, for the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. Um, and it's a little bit cryptic there about the one who holds it back. I mean, you know, um, some think one thing, some think another. But, I mean, there are only a few options here. Uh, those of you who've read This Present Darkness, you might uh, think in terms of it's a big old honking angel up there just kind of holding it back. And maybe it is. You know, maybe, maybe honking angel uh, guy holds evil back in the world, and one of these days God will go, mm, step aside, let's, let's, let's let it run rampant for a while. Uh, I think it's the Holy Spirit that he's talking about. I mean, that, that, that's, that's what I think. You know, some people say, well, it's the church, and okay, I'll go there, as it is the church as long as the church is empowered by and under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because sometimes the church doesn't hold evil back very well. Just putting it mildly. Uh, but it's God's grace and it's God's power that holds evil back. What is it, and then the other question I have is, what is it that good men are supposed to do to prevent evil? What are they supposed to do? Not engage in evil themselves, because once they've done that, they've become evil men. I think I'm making sense. Um, you don't defeat the haters by hating them. Okay, yeah, I finally found one there. Okay, you don't, you don't, you don't defeat haters by hating them. You, you, you defeat haters by loving them and changing the hate into love. How many of you... <laughs> okay. How many of you know who this guy is? Yeah, yeah. Brevik, I believe is the way you pronounce his last name. Anders Brevik, uh, Norwegian. Um, last year, decided he needed, you know, the only, thing, the only thing necessary for evil to thrive is for good men to do nothing. And so he decided to do something. He's going he's gonna to stop the, the Muslimization of, of Norway by blowing up an office building and shooting a bunch of kids. Which is, that was his reasoning, and that was what he did. You kind of go, oh, well, that, that, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of extreme. You're talking politics now. Yeah, I'm talking politics. I'm talking politics. I'm talking professional life. I'm, I'm talking personal life. I'm talking people talking everything that touches your life. And if you don't think that spirit exists here, you're not paying attention. Because it does. And it can't be defeated 
by more hate. Can't be defeated by more distrust. Can't be defeated by looking at others with suspicion. Looking at others through, through, not through the eyes of Christ. Let me give you another quote here. Get his face off. Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found hard and left untried. G.K. Chesterton. I've, I've, I've uh, put this up before, but it's, it's appropriate here because quite honestly, this thing about loving people is hard. It's hard. You, you may go, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I love people. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not um, prejudiced or anything like that. I love, no, no, it's hard. There are bullies at school. It's hard to love. There are parents and, and, and children at odds with each other. It's hard to love. There, there are people that have at some point in time ripped you off. People at some point in time who've, who've hurt you uh, for no good reason, who've stolen from hurt, hurt people that you, that you love. Uh, it's, it's hard to love. It's hard. This, this last week, the Lord's really mess, been messing me up. In a good way, but he's been messing me up. And, uh, uh, and Tuesday morning at the gate, uh, I was sharing about that song, Here by the Water. And I was, because it's kind of a cryptic song and it usually needs some explanation. But, but the Lord had been ministering to my heart with it. Because the, the point of it is, out of the stones that I found here, I'll build an altar and you'll make this thing holy. And as I've mentioned many times, uh, Jack Hayford says, a stone is nothing in the world but a hard thing. When there's a hard thing in your life, the only thing you can do with it is you can pull that sucker out of the ground and drag it over and put it in front of God and build an altar there and, and go fire, you know, God help. And he, he will do that. He'll make, he can do that. And when it comes to these hard things, to loving people, which is a hard thing. Unless the love of God just so floods our, 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 our souls, unless we're just so drenched in gratitude for what we've been forgiven for, unless, unless we're just so overwhelmed by His mercy and His kindness towards us, it is almost impossible to look at others and, and extend love to them. But in doing it, let, let me suggest this. The, the good thing that good people need to do is be good. Just be good. And there's only one example. And that's Jesus. And even he wouldn't claim it. He said, you know, why you call me good? There's only, there's only one that's good. Well, we call you good because you look like him. More than anybody else who's ever lived. In fact, anybody who's seen you has seen him. That's why you're good. And, and look at Jesus. Look at what the, the only ones Jesus ever reacted strongly against were the entrenched religious powers and those who oppressed the poor. 
Those were the only ones that he ever wrecked. And, and even then, he wasn't, he wasn't hating them. He wasn't trying to destroy them. He was trying to wake them up. God, don't you see what's going on here? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and teachers of the law. You tie up heavy burdens and put them on men's backs, and you won't lift a finger to help them with it. That was the kind of thing that got Jesus upset. But Jesus, Jesus didn't advocate the overthrow of the Romans or Pilate being pulled out of power or anything. I mean, this was an, this was an invading, um, occupying army, oppressing his... Jesus never went after them. Never went after them. Maybe because that wasn't where the problem was. Jesus didn't turn away from the immoral. Okay, you got to follow me closely here because, you know, it can get a little good look. But, you know, Jesus didn't go, oh, well, that one's an adulterer. No, 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 no. You know. Oh, that, that one's a homosexual. No, no, no. Uh, drunkard? No, no, no. Thief? No, no. In fact, he was accused of hanging out with those kind of people. And it wasn't a matter of, oh, it's okay, what they're doing's okay. No, uh uh-uh, it wasn't that at all. No, he loved them. He loved them. Everyone who is burdened and heavy laden, come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. That was his message to them. That's that's his message to us. Jesus, oh boy. Jesus didn't reject the foreigners. Just giving y'all a minute to think about it. You go, well, well, now he was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. That That was his... job that was his commission right there he didn't reject the foreigners the the woman at the well you know you're a jew i'm a samaritan what are you doing talking to me your person the roman centurion i haven't seen faith this great in israel the the syrophoenician woman great is your faith woman yeah he even he those that he was sent to yeah he was sent to them but he even said Hey, look, the day is coming when you're going to see people from nations that you won't believe coming from the east and from the west and sitting down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of my father. And you might be on the outside looking in unless you get with it. He didn't look at people as a clump. He looked at them as people. I don't want anybody looking at me and going, well, that's a a white middle-aged pastor. So what? I'm Ronnie. I played Little League Baseball at Goodlettsville. (laughs) That's how you want people to look at you. And that's how God looks at them. And that's how we're supposed to look at them. That's the example. Jesus is the only one who never sinned. Because love fulfills all of the requirements of the law. Amen. You love somebody, you're not going to cheat them. You love somebody, you're not going to lead them into immorality or go into immorality with them. You, 
you know, you love somebody, you're, you're not going to talk about them behind their back. You love somebody, you're going you're gonna to want to see them succeed. You're going to want to see them do well. You're not going to try and tear them down. Love fulfills all the law's demands. Now, here's the deal. Jesus is always the example, but the power comes from the Holy Spirit, from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You don't get there by trying harder. Let me let you in on a secret. You don't get there by trying harder. You get there, and boy, this cuts across the grain of the culture completely. You don't get there by trying harder. You get there by surrendering more. Giving up. Allowing him to come in. Have control of your life. To the degree that I'm able to go, okay, Holy Spirit, you got this. You got this one. And when you do that, oh, it releases such power in your life. There are people here who are walking in severe bondage who don't even know it because they won't let it go. And they won't let it go because their love's deficient. And their love's deficient because the presence of the Holy Spirit is deficient in their life. They've gone, hey, come on into the house. You can stay in the closet over here. We're going to, we're going to mess around with the rest of the house, but you, you, you're welcome. You've got the whole closet to yourself here in my house. Or maybe some days I'll let you out to be in the kitchen. But the truth of the matter is until he's got the whole house and the yard... And, and the car that you're driving in and, and all that business, he doesn't have you yet. The power comes from the Holy Ghost and surrendering to him. And as we, and as we give it to him, as we surrender to him, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And the result is joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Would you stand with me? For those who are going to pray with people, come forward. And let me, let me tell you something. Uh, I hope that what the Lord had me share this morning it, it has impacted a few people as much as it's impacted me. Uh, and, and if so, and if something's kind of breaking loose, this, you probably need to come and pray with somebody. Last Sunday morning in the early service, you know, one of the hardest things to do, I mean, one of the hardest things to do as a pastor in your own church in particular, is to come forward and be prayed for. And last Sunday morning, the early service, y'all weren't in the early service, so you don't know about this, I'm telling you about it. The last Sunday morning, the early service, you know, there was just some stuff, and I just, I just need to go be prayed for. And you know and I did. Uh, and Monday, I mean, there was like this... this Totally unexpected, hard, very difficult, but totally unexpected breakthrough that happened in my life. 
Tuesday, I was a mess all day Tuesday. It was cathartic Tuesday. I normally call it thankful Tuesday. It was cathartic Tuesday. But that was okay because it was God cathartic. Yeah. And it was very healing. Nobody's going to look at you. I mean, I asked the early service people, I said, how many of you saw me come down and went, <gasps> pastor went down? Nobody raised their hand. I dared them to. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, nobody's going to look at you and go, we know who needs some work on their love. No. No. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand, and he will lift you up. That's what scripture says. We're going to worship for a few moments. If you need to come, you come need to do any work with God come 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 let somebody help you pick that rock up and drag it where it needs to go so you can make it holy let's worship together come and fill our homes with your presence you alone are worthy of our reverence as for me
this house as for me and this house we will serve the Lord we will serve the Lord we will serve the Lord don't forget to pray for Isaac and Stephanie, Kevin and Sherry, for Brad. Please raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who sent his Son into the world, not only to die for us and become our Savior, but to live for us and be our example. May that example be empowered in you through the vision and the love and the grace of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.